0: Welcome to Talking in Stations podcast, a podcast about Eve Online. I'm Matterall here with Elise Randolph. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And Hateless. Hello, guys. How's it going? As you know, Elise, uh, a master at all things Eve, but uh, particularly MelSec and uh, alliance tournament issues, which we'll talk about today. And Hateless, a master of missions and all things Care Bear SEC. Uh And I hope you don't mind me saying
1: that you can way put it I'm, I'm just another player okay
0: um today we're going to talk about Keepstar that went down in i believe it was t5z right next to 1dq we'll also cover a little bit of news with snuff and siege green going at it unexpectedly this morning uh, explosive velocity the new update that's been called for december and uh, we'll check in on the last update from November, the ESS, see what's going on there. And we'll get to some Alliance tournaments and the partnership program. That's what we'll talk about today on TIS. Okay, Elise, let's start with, uh, and uh, chime in if, uh, if you want, Hateless. And, and McLeod's here as engineer, as always. Uh, keep starting T5Z.
2: Yeah, so yesterday, uh, I guess the day before yesterday, uh, the Pappy forces dropped a, a Keepstar and it successfully went through the like, anchoring process in T5CI. Uh, obviously, there's then a 24-hour cooldown uh, and then you have to put the core in and it comes online. We've seen this, we've seen this song and dance before uh, from Pappy. Usually, goons uh, have destroyed it. Rather, the Imperium have destroyed anchoring Keepstars. That was when it was the first one. Uh, this time, the Imperium did not form up. Uh, the Pappy Forces had just tons and tons of people. Uh, they were really amped up to drop a, a Keepstar right next to Goon's staging in 1PQ. Uh, so Goon's chose the, not to take that fight head on. They said, hey, you know what? There's already a Keepstar in Delve. We're not going to a 1,000 battleships at this one uh, to keep it out. And they obviously have a plan for it. But yeah, so Pappy Forces are, are pretty, pretty uh, happy. To say at least <laughs> that, they, that they now have a, a Keepstar in T5Z. Uh, they've been moving into it all. They spent all day yesterday doing move ops. Um, people are still moving ships one by one, uh, taking bridges, moving capitals and stuff. Uh, so it's just a straight convoy moving right next to the goon staging in 1DQ. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is going to be a pretty heated next couple of weeks, right? Because you have both of these huge forces who for months have been, been at each other's throats, now they are separated by a few thousand kilometers, right? The, the, the yeah. Keepstar, the keeps Keepstar, it's not even just at a safe spot somewhere in T5Z. It's on the 1DQ gate grid. So uh, insanely close. Uh, it's it's going to be wild to see what happens, right? Because from here on out, a lot of the fighting has been for these smaller structures and for uh, hubs and different... Um, just infrastructure around jump bridges, Sinojammers, uh, beacons. So it's whoever forms first has this advantage, or rather whoever can get to the system first has an advantage when it comes to like the, when the skirmishes break out. Now it's gonna be whoever has an active FC on at the time, because if the Imperium starts forming, the PAPI can form instantly and they're right next to each other. There's, there's no way to move. The, the PAPI will have to, I mean, the, the Imperium will just have to either burn through T5Z or take a bridge out, and then when they undock, everyone gets to see it. So, I mean, it's just, it's going to be a rapid response, small fleets, uh, for the next couple of weeks here. Uh, we also saw Pappy Forces just, in Tosis, like, three constellations worth of stuff, um, in terms earlier of infrastructure. Even. It was earlier in the week. So, the so goons got to defend their home now. I think they did so. I think they did some yesterday as well. Like, oh, really? A okay. big form up. Uh, I could be wrong. I think it's the area that's closer to Fountain. Gobbin sent out a ping um, to the, the horde members, saying, "Hey, we're moving to T5Z. Um, your focus is going to be on, uh, you know, getting some infrastructure here, and we're also going to be keeping an eye on Fountain." Uh, Gobbin's put a, a huge emphasis on on maybe not retaking Fountain, but attacking the people living there. Uh, that was the first theater of war for a lot of the, uh, the Pappy force, right? They were split up the legacy side, stayed in Esoteria fighting over the G magic gate. Uh, and the Panda fam side went over to fountain to conquer that from initiative. Uh, when the sides merged initiative, went to fountain, took it all back. Um, and people are actually living in it now. People are ratting in it now. Um, there is quite a good amount of ISK being earned in that region. So uh, what people got, are those, would that be
0: initiative or
2: other people? Uh, Initiative and others, uh, other members of the Imperium. Um, I don't think the Initiative do all that much ratting themselves, but you know, people mm-hmm. like Lawn and stuff are are in there uh, ratting it up. Uh, so if you look at, you can actually with the ESS changes, you can actually look at the banks from all the mm-hmm. you and say, hey, this reserve bank's pretty high. Someone's been here <laughs> uh, and stuff like that. So it's really cool to see. But I think uh, it's uh, Goblins.
1: I, I think it's really cool. We can see where people are ratting and how much they're ratting, which is really useful data.
2: Yeah, it, it really is. It is very interesting to see. It's, it's instead of just like dotland land kills the last three hours type thing, you can actually see how it's going hour by hour in most cases. Uh, but yeah, Gobbins made the, made the note in his little ping to, to hoard there that um, the initiative, they don't have an umbrella or really a, a really solid way to respond to people from. A uh, Dell in the fountain, uh, especially with this uh, T five Z move, um, because the Imperium would, <laughs> uh, if the Imperium form, forms, the Pappy can form quicker or at the same time and just bridge, their uh, one gate closer. So yeah, uh, it seems an interesting dynamic. It seems like we're seeing
0: attack, counter attack, um, counter counter attack, and now this is the fourth stage of that. If you yeah. If you, if you break it down, uh, Pappy picks up, takes off, moves into Aquarius Dell Fountain, attacks the area. Esoteria opens up as a front behind the lines, right? So Test is now having two fronts, uh, Bastion and uh, Rebecca hired for that. And then you have Stain Russians helping out with that. So you see uh, Imperium kind of striking back in the backfield. And then you have uh, basically Test double down and say, yeah, we're just moving the Delve, right? So Esoteria is less important boom, you move a keep start right next to 1DQ. That announces a ton of intention. And that puts Horde in the position to strike back at initiative because initiative has gone over to Esoteria as well to kind of open up that front. So it, it might say like, okay, if you're going to keep, if you're going to try to keep us busy in Esoteria, we're going to try to keep you busy in Fountain.
2: Yeah, it was, let's just say that, that was a really shrewd move by, by the Imperium there to send uh, the initiative over. I know the initiative always has been like floating around doing stuff. But giving them an objective, giving them a set of things to do um, and, and just unleashing them onto this this region of pretty much defenseless region. It, it's, it's great. It's a great move. We love to see it uh, because it has been a bit of a thorn. It hasn't been like debilitating for the test at all. Right. Or any of the pappy forces. But it has been a constant annoyance, uh, a thorn in their side. They're like, oh, we got to go back to do this. And then we can focus on this. So oh, we got to go back to do this. And focus on that yeah and it really also drives the Imperium narrative right so what the Imperium are, are trying to do is they're trying to break up the uh, the attackers that are fighting them right now they're trying to sow seeds of discord and you know the the low-hanging fruit that they're going for now is or that they have been going for is uh, hey guys Tess got you into this mess and they're not even showing up to stuff um, so so why are you guys helping them uh, and they're just hoping someone they shake that tree a little bit harder, something's going to fall out of it. Um, and they can go back and say, oh, well, Tests are out saving their homes. What happens when we go to your homes and stuff like that? Uh, so they're trying real hard to, to shake that tree, yeah, get you some of see that it, numbers down.
0: You can see it in the propaganda, too. It's like uh, the dinosaur laying on the couch while these guys are carrying it, all caricatures of the allies of test. Exactly, uh, right. And you, you see it in the rhetoric uh, as well. Yeah. So Bastion opened up Esoteria by uh, taking over a little bit of territory. It looks like Stain Russians helped out there. Then Initiative got called in to really rip that place open, which is is possible. Um, and despite what Villy says about it being just an afterthought, a lot of guys still have their stuff over there. That's still considered their home. That's not something that you can just gloss over. Uh, and it hasn't really been dealt with effectively. There have been attempts to try to recapture Esoteria, but um, the best we've heard about it on the happy side is Ron USMC saying like, he really loves that theater because everybody's so polite, because <laughs> Bastion's so polite and they're like, good game. And, you know, it's a nice relaxed, uh, part of the war as opposed to the, the raging
2: barnhouse fire in, uh, Del- and, the the scale is much different too, right? You're talking... Uh, in delve a big form up might be a thousand versus a thousand for like a medium scale, uh and, and like four thousand versus three thousand for the, the giga huge scale. Um the stuff going down in Eseteria, it's like two hundred man fleets roaming around, um, but like crawling into each other, like one hundred versus one hundred, fifty versus fifty. The the scale's so much smaller. Um, kind of get a a different sense of fighting. And it does feel like you have more agency over your decision and your ship choices when you're a member of those fleets. So like what you do matters a little bit more instead of just being uh, a pawn on the chessboard being moved around. So I, I can see how people are having a lot of fun. Um, but, you yeah. know, fun aside, it, it's still a significant development, right? It's still something that uh, the Imperium are trying to take away from uh, from the Pappy side. They're not just rolling over waiting for the numbers to drop. They're They're actively out there trying to do things. Uh, and they've moved some of their, their best fighters out there, which is really neat. If you told me a few months ago that Bastion and the initiative would be teaming up to take over Esoteria, I'd laugh. Um, but that's exactly what's happening, and, and Bastion really led the way here, um, and I'm glad the, the initiative jumped on because yeah. uh, that's, that's a scale of war that they're suited for the best. They're some of the best in, ga- in the game at that. You've got uh, the, the best skirmish FCs. You've got... Uh, the best, like, small, medium gang of C's out there. That, and the same with the pilots. So put them in a situation where they can thrive. This is something I had been personally like hamping at, or champing at the bit for, uh, for, for like weeks and weeks. So glad to see it happen. Uh, it's better than the initiative just being in Raven number four being hurled at a Keepstar. Right. right, <laughs> right. They've shown that they're willing to do that, but that's not where they're best suited. Yeah. Uh, and, you know,
0: from my past experience, uh, like 100 versus 100 or 200 versus 200, you play at full speed. There's no tie To me, those were always the best fights, the most exciting fights. Uh, with good FCs, it, everything feels really good at that scale. Uh, and yeah. I can't say the same for bigger.
2: Yeah, exactly. So the bigger fights, I mean, there, there's more strategy involved. But the, in a smaller, I can't believe we're calling them smaller now, right? Yeah. In my day, these were like the big, big fights, too. So... Uh, the smaller fights, uh, like the sub 100 man fights, you, you just you just feel uh, like I said you have more agency over your ship. Like what you do as a pilot matters more to the outcome, and it's it's fun in, in that regard. So I'm glad I'm glad people are having fun, but I'm glad to see that the uh, Imperium are strike, excuse me, striking back a little bit uh, because it can it can get really out of control for them really quick. Here, mm-hmm. um, you're talking about the biggest capital force the game has ever seen. Now living next door to your staging. Granted, your staging system has more Keep Stars and Faction Fortizars than pretty much any other region in the game. Uh, so, so this is a heavily fortified area, right? We're gonna have to see. I was we were chatting a little bit before the show. Like this is a potentially very dangerous spot for both groups, right? The, like the Imperium obviously have this behemoth at their door, pounding, ready to get in, taking away everything else behind them. And just burning the the farmlands but the same thing you have pappy who are just have this huge morale move of we're next door to one dh or rather one dq um the the big fight's got to happen soon so like these guys are going to be amped up they're ready for something maybe someone makes a mistake maybe someone gets a little bit uh too over eager you really have to manage your expectations here uh, if you're Pappy, because Mm -hmm. if you go in and try and one-shot one dq and either it fails or you lose a lot and it fails, or just something goes wrong on your side. Or even if it's Uh, a tie. Yeah, you've got egg on your face and and all that momentum that you build up, all that slow, steady burn that you've been doing for weeks and weeks amounts to nothing. The clock resets, everything gets wiped clean, and you have to start all over again and build that up momentum, uh, build that momentum up piece by piece by piece.
0: We were talking about what some of the pitfalls might be uh, because this move looks like, if you on the on the outside of it, it's like all gravy for Pappy. They just put a keep Star deep in the delve. Now, what's the narrative going to be about? Well, you haven't reached us yet, you know. Like there is that funny, uh, I've seen some funny propaganda recently, and there was one on Reddit. It was the Black Knight from Monty Python, and you had <laughs> you had the Black Knight with all his limbs cut off because. <laughs> cut off all his limbs. And every one of those limbs was a region lost, you know, and it, the Black Knight was uh, uh, the bees. And uh, he's, he's like, you know, I've just begun to fight or something, you know, coward. So at a certain point, you know, that narrative starts to run out. This is a big move. They moved right into 1DQ, but this is rife with, this is rife with uh, problems for Pappy, you were saying.
2: Yeah, or not problems, right? <laughs> we don't want to or spend too hard of the way, but it, it is potentially dangerous, right? Because um, like, like we were saying, all the expectations, you've been just slow and steady dismantling this region, taking away infrastructure from Dell, taking everything around the SAC area, taking everything around the, the 49 area, you've got to keep Star down in 49, um, which is huge. You start taking away the areas um, that goons can rat in. You force them to move to E3O, which, by the way, moves uh, that move of their super cap forces from DW to E3O. Looks really smart. McLeod had mentioned it uh, before the show, and it's not something that had really dawned on me. Um, <laughs> moving, that, moving them from DW over to E3O makes a lot more sense now. Um, or rather, it, it works in their benefit, right? Because you don't want to have your super caps and your subcaps separated by a gate where your enemy lives with everything, um, that's, that's potentially disastrous. Now you've got a little bit more wiggle room there, uh, a few gates buffer, um, plus all that area behind E3O hasn't been touched yet. It is an area that the uh, Imperium can still rat in, uh, they can still earn Askin, uh, it's just good space, and it's strategically kind of significant, even though it is a bit of a, a dead-end pocket there. Yeah, Pat. If if they don't play their cards right, if they get a little bit too overeager, and they do have personalities on their sides that have been known to get overeager before, um, if that does happen, like we said, a mistake could like blow up in their face and backfire really, really badly. Um, they've been surprisingly like poised and you know just playing everything by the book, uh, ever up to here. So I'm sure that there is they're all on the same page here, but the uh, Imperium are probably just like hoping a beyond hope that someone makes a mistake right next door to them and they can capitalize and just, just start over a little bit. Cause right now that that snowball is starting to pick up some speed coming towards their face a little bit. Yeah.
0: Um, we haven't, did we talk about, you weren't here last week, but I wanted your opinion on the, uh, the big announcement that came out of Imperium was that they were going to do something called Helm's deep, uh, and was, the strategy was to go into a bottleneck system and protect the hell out of that, jam up everything behind you so they can't get past you, theoretically, and uh, make a like a last stand there. What do you think of that move?
2: It's risky, um, but it's also, so if you make E3O your Helm's Deep, you've got a lot of outs, right? You've got NPC Delve that's right there, right? You can bridge there pretty much all over through it. Um, so... The idea of it is very nice. Um, it really rallies up your base as well, right? Because you're like, this is where we fight. This is where they die. You get to do all that stuff. You get to do all the Lord of the Rings memes. So everyone's going to have fun with that. Um am
0: there were very, very little of those. I didn't see much, uh, except that you don't have a Gandalf for this or something <laughs> Yeah,
2: exactly. People didn't do much with it, which is interesting. That That is all to come, right? So that requires... so. Right now, the the pappy response to that I think has been really hilarious. They've just kind of ignored it. They're like, "Okay, go till in Helms yeah. Deep. We're burning the rest of your lands." I and heard back. that.
0: I, I heard that. Uh, what happened was there was going to be a big announcement, and of course, the uh, pappy leaders have spies in the announcement. And the word from I won't say who said they were waiting because they didn't actually know what the move was going to be. They thought it would be some you know move they hadn't anticipated. And then when they announced Helm's Deep, they all burst into laughter, and I thought, well, that's not a good sign if your your enemy starts laughing at your battle plans, uh, you know. But
2: yeah, it is. Um, it is a little awkward right now because both sides feel like they're winning on like the highest high level of strategy levels, right? Um, so like Billy and, and Edliner and, and everyone else in the war room on the Pappy side are like, okay, they're they're doing stuff that. Let's just gives us free path to what we want to do. Where's the trap here? And the Imperium are doing the exact same thing. They're like, okay, well, we just did this huge announcement and they're not playing into it at all. They're just kind of ignoring it. But what's, what's going on? Um, so both sides definitely feel like they have the strategic advantage and the strategic superiority in their plan. And it just time will tell which which side is right. They can't both be right. Like there's a lot of situations in EVE where these alliances and these mega coalitions put themselves in a position where they can't lose, um, where both sides are right, you can always get you can always get a win out of something somewhere. But this is one of those situations where they're diametrically opposed. So one side is going to be right and one side is going to be wrong. And when that comes to a head, uh, things are going to spiral out of control wildly for the side that was wrong. Because there's only so far that you can backpedal, right? Well we're hearing right now that a test keep start just went down indeed
0: tack w so again this proximity is risky on both sides uh that's just a reminder uh they're undocking titans i don't know why probably to save it or to save the
2: objective we'll try to get more information as the show goes on yeah so that's just another thing you just what this has been the the happy plan from all along right just plant keep star after keep star closer and closer to these uh like strategically important systems and force them to make a mistake or for I mean, them it, to deal
1: with it. Isn't planting these Keepstars... I know it's expensive, but isn't planting these keep stars cost effective and doing damage to them? So they're, they're winning out in the escort in these battles, aren't they? So it's worth it to keep dropping keep stars to continue doing damage because that's all they want to do. They, they, they want to bash fleets, they want things to die. And that's the only way to start or to. Exhaust resources and goons have a lot of resources, and so the only, only way to do is just to bash at them and keep on bashing and bashing and bashing and bashing and bashing, right?
2: So, uh, yeah, pretty much that, that's what they're hoping for. That's what the uh, dynamic was early on, but uh, it looks like there's already a test dead rag uh, that happened in detect W, so I think that's might be what they're undocking times for. Obviously, it's hard as this is happening live as we're doing this show, <laughs> yeah, but um, this is the exact mistake that we were just talking about, right. You don't want to, to see this happen when you're right next door to the goons, because or rather the Imperium, because they can they can go this, they can kill your Titan under your nose, and then they get a huge win. And you know that snowball that's that's hurling towards them slows down a little bit, loses a little bit of snow and ice, so it's not nearly as fast and painful if it hits. So mm-hmm. th- th- this is well, just the dynamic that we set up.
0: Well, this is part of. um probably our best guess is you know people are moving in with their big assets so this may be some guy that moved in a little unprotected he got hit with a dread bomb which should have been expected and uh, right now our latest report is ncdot is cleaning the field of dreads and uh, test to scramble titans or uh, or super caps to help out uh just make sure that there's um a few less dreads to, for that to happen again, cause it can happen again. That proximity is really dangerous, not just for the Imperium, but definitely for the people moving in. And when you're moving, you're usually, your guard is down a little bit. You know, you have that feeling of uh, omnipotence, like no, nobody can possibly insult you, but fact is like you're up for grabs. If you're not, if you're not doing this right, you're up for grabs.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's tricky. It's a, it's a very dangerous place to be. You have to be on your toes. You can't let that hubris get to you, right? Hubris will, will level all the momentum you've made.
1: So this Titan, uh Re-Six just mentioned it. It was on a gate. What is a Titan doing on a gate in oh, this situation? It almost Ex- certainly got fleet warped there
2: by a spy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or something something like that. That's, uh, We've seen the... two misclicks in this war that way. People accidentally yeah. warped to a gate when they, were, they didn't mean to. The they initiative know, it's, did it earlier yeah. in Fountain. They just warped to the wrong. One guy warped to the wrong gate with two Titans. Uh, this guy, he probably got fleet warped off or he just clicked wrong, right? Uh, so, yeah. But the Imperium were there to capitalize on it. That's the important thing. right? Uh, if you see the Imperium haven't been fighting too much in this, this last week and a half, um, they're waiting, right? They're waiting for their moment to strike back so they can use their, uh, their war chest most effectively. And I'd say this is an effective use of it, right?
0: Yeah, I we're hearing wanna, it was a, a mistaken warp. So yeah, we've seen that before in this fight.
2: Yeah, so... Uh, these things do happen, especially on move days, right? Move days are a little chaotic. So yeah, it's it fun interesting. to see that, that both sides have now made this mistake. I wonder how much
0: of that is like memory reflex, like you're not, you're not quite thinking right, or you're on the wrong screen because you're moving caps, subcaps at the same time, because it just seems like such an odd thing to do, but it definitely has happened before.
1: It's, it's 75 billion-esque for the whole, you should probably double check what you're doing when moving it around. But and, that's, uh, yeah.
2: That price is it, going up too. It's, it's going so on. Up, yeah. There's one thing about yep. resource uh, redistribution. The, the super capitals especially are getting incredibly, no one's building them right now. Everyone's just going through stockpiles uh, and people that are coming back and selling things and stuff. Uh I was talking to Kenneth. He was like, yeah, the build cost right now is like 120 bill for, for these <laughs> things. I was like, okay, well, wow. so let's. Uh, so yeah, they're working through their stockpiles. Crucially, though, um, Keep Stars they haven't really gone up in price because they're they're based on salvage, not minerals, salvage and other components and stuff like that that aren't minerals. So the only thing that increased their price is that Quantum Core, that thirty billion uh, little thing that you have to plug in there to turn your Keep Star on. Uh, so those things are relatively cheaper now. Uh, they're still a pretty penny, but they're, they're cheaper now than, than like a, a fight or a couple supers.
0: Right. We, we talked about this, that as, as scarcity comes in for minerals, and we've seen it on the monthly economic report, the mineral index, right? The mineral index is higher than it has ever been in the history of this game. And th- that's not typical, actually. It's been lower for years and years and years, uh, but it is now higher than ever before, which means minerals are at their most expensive the game has ever seen. That takes some time, but it will ripple through everything else because everything's built on minerals, except stuff like keep stars, which is built on planetary stuff, which hasn't been hit by scarcity, which means the keep stars stay the same in price, but all your dreads that it takes to destroy a keep star, those have gone up.
2: Yeah. Dreads are a little bit more expensive right now. Like the, These guys, the people fighting this war, they don't have to pay, pay that price too much. But I mean, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Snuffed out in Sea Treen, just had a massive dread ball, uh, dread brawl, rather, um, and secede in Succeed and Losak. And you're talking about 350 billion dreads that died. The actual price tag on that's probably closer to four or 500 bill. Um, just because replacing them is going to be harder and harder, because the people that sell them those dreads, they don't necessarily have a huge stockpile to work with. They don't have uh, a test alliance level stockpile. They don't have an Imperium-level stockpile to work from. So the, these smaller people or these smaller groups uh, or medium-sized groups, they're getting hit real hard. Um, and, and I don't think we've actually begun to even see the, the true effects of it, right, until probably for another two or three months.
0: Well, it will be interesting. One last thing about the Keep star and the overall war effort, uh, and that is the, uh, like the, I guess the messaging coming out of both camps. I want to kind of get that straight. What, what are they trying to project at this point? What are they saying is going to happen in the future? And I'm specifically thinking of Imperium's uh, uh, fireside chats, what they're saying there, and uh, what Gobbins is saying, and what Villy is saying, what some of the leaders of Pappy are saying. Do you have a take on that?
2: So what I expect and kind of what I'm assuming will happen, right, uh, I think the Imperium are going to play to their strengths. They're going to say, hey, Esoteria is burning. Uh, We're doing great work out there. Um, We're losing systems in Delve that we don't use anyways. So they haven't really done anything like this. They move next door to us. The next day they lose a Titan. So I'm not too worried about that. We have the biggest fortress the game has ever seen. Until something gets noticeably taken down or noticeably noticeably invaded, we're not worried, right? So the Imperium is going to try and focus on their strengths and then bait the Pappy forces to come in uh, into 1DQ or into E3O and try and do a headshot maneuver. They're going to just really goad them into it while still doing that, hey, uh, test is ordering you guys around and they're not even bothering to show up like, type thing. They're going to try and uh, reduce the number of incoming threats, right? So they're going to try and shake whatever, shake loose whatever they can. If they can get one block out of here, the numbers get a little bit more manageable for them and they can take head-on fights. Um, the Imperium know this, right? They They know that they are Outgunned and outclassed pretty much top to bottom just by the gone. sheer numbers. Yeah. So they're going to try and uh, mitigate that somehow. I don't know if the, the test thing is, is going to work out too well for them because the one thing that, that backfired propaganda wise hilariously for them, um, the whole test is next meme. Uh, which is like, oh, when this guy, when this fails, Tess is going to be the next person we invade and they're going to all die. It is now transformed into Tess's next door, <laughs> which I think was just masterful, right? Uh, so that's, that's, that's part of the Imperium propaganda that very rarely backfires uh, so spectacularly, but I think that happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I'm really amused by it. If you're on the Pappy side, you've got to keep your head down, nose to the grindstone. You can't, get overzealous. You can't say, hey, we're next door. Let's just finish it off right here, right now. 1DQ by Christmas. That would be an absolute disaster. Um, So you've got to keep taking infrastructure away. Force the Imperium into that Helm's Deep that they want to be in so much. Take away more of the map from them. Make them feel isolated. Make them feel back into a corner. And don't play into them uh, waiting for opportunistic moments. Like that's the the hard part, right? Uh, What the Imperium is doing is they're forcing Pappy to take every timer as seriously as possible, uh, which means you can't just have like a movie night where you grind through a Sotillo or some Faction Fortasars, you've actually got to be on the ball. So they're hoping that one of these FCs gets um, burned out or uh, you know, just makes a, a mistake by being a little bit too lazy and not having a plan in place. They're using um, what Delve has, which is just <laughs> an abundance of structures and hoping that can give them an advantage, right? Um, it's yeah. not to the point where the Imperium are afraid right now because they have so many structures left. Um, like, they know that all the structures that are not behind E3O and are not in 1DQ, they know those are gone, right? They've written those off probably weeks ago as soon as that FWST uh, and YZ9 fights happened. Like, they've just written those off. As soon as the YZ9 for, uh, Keepstar went down, that's just a complete write off for all those structures but they're going to try and use those to to bait out uh, a fight where someone's unprepared Th- that's yeah. pretty much their only path forward
0: and and these guys we're looking at live footage now of the gate between D Tac W and T5Z and uh, this is where that Ragnarok just went down from test you can see what the reaction force is like i think the reaction force is a little overdone but i think it's a show of po- it's a show of power like that's way more than enough to secure anybody else getting in trouble there and uh, and the idea is um, there is I mean the the point of all this that we've seen is there is no um,
1: do, do I, I say extracting is that what's starting to happen here I've seeing sinos go yeah probably not uh, uh, sinos but I'm right.
2: seeing things starting to jump out like well they only extracting. have to go through one gate so it's it's really good yeah. at least in this uh, scenario.
0: Yeah, moving this, this many ships has problems. If you move too many through a gate at the same time, there's a chance they bump, and then you get yourself into another situation where some are on one side, some are on the other. So there's a, it takes a lot of coordination to move this kind of hardware. So don't be the guy that makes it happen for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's the, basically the point. One of the, the more kind of peculiar dynamics with uh, the graphical update that happened uh, the last week or the week before, where they made supercarriers, their models bigger, um, now they can bump easier, right? The, I, I, don't, I don't know if that was an intended effect um, because it does mean moving mass supers becomes a little bit more risky because if one bounces and it bounces too far, it kind well, of rep range and dies.
1: I, I I think that change was more for aesthetics more than anything. Uh, yes, it's going to cause more bumpings, but carrier supercarriers super carriers were very close to carrier size and they were like 10 times tougher and stronger. It doesn't make sense. They're closer to a titan than they are a carrier. So them resizing them actually, I'm, I'm, this is the first time I've seen them actually in game on this footage. And I, I think they're aesthetically very pleasing, okay. being at that size, and it they, seems to match their role and, and what they provide to the fight. So
2: they actually do. They certainly feel way more. Uh, and I hate to say this word, but it, it, it's suited here. They feel more epic, right? They feel like uh, a thirty billion is space vessel more than just. A slightly bigger carrier, right? So, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the things, right? If you make an art decision, how's it going to impact the gameplay? Um, was it even considered? I, I don't know, but uh, that is just a byproduct as these it, things it bounce. Might I'm be sure why we're going to see it.
0: it. Might be why it took so long. They announced that these changes would happen uh, a year or two ago when Faxes came in and were huge, uh, and they dwarfed uh, the motherships or the uh, supercarriers So. Uh, it could have been a priorities, you know, uh, um, art priorities, because they did a lot of tricklavian stuff in between time. But they uh, didn't change the artwork
1: time. on it; they just made it bigger. Like they, they just like they did. They added like a detail, a screen in Photoshop, and make it a little bit bigger.
0: Like, no, 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 like they added like detail. Make- they added. Did they? they added? Oh, okay. Yeah, they did. Yeah, it's a, it's all okay. a little more uh, meticulous. Like there's more detail in the in the supercarriers. but so they were enhanced a little bit. But they also now are about a third the size of a Titan, whereas before they might have oh. been like one fifth or one one.
1: They're like yeah. a tenth the size of a Titan. They they were yeah, literally awesome. so before they were something like uh, two thousand to three thousand meters in size. Now they're like eight to nine or Titan. They're they're almost as big. Like they're way bigger than they were before. and I think that that's fantastic for what they are. I think that's really neat. Uh, but the the bumping thing, if you're coherent and understand what's going on when you're bump jumping a bunch of things into one location, you know bumping is going to happen. It it just kind of happens. I don't think that they... Well,
0: in the, the numbers that Elise is talking about, it's a big change because now you have... Because we're talking hundreds. And so it's a, it yeah. becomes... A big, yeah, and
1: it, it gets a little silly. But, one, one, um, thing
0: was, one thing that was interesting, though, is the MER came out for October. And this is the middle of the war, right? This is the monthly economic report. comes out and shows that mining has definitely moved to high sectors. Mining is only happening in Owasa, and, and that's it. And uh, all the top empires are all just about equal in the amount of mining that's happening, which is really nice to see. It's very well distributed among all the empires. So I'm talking about Galente, Amar, uh, yeah. cetera.
1: That's, that's because in high sec, you can't control space. Like the, 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 the most you can do is you see somebody mining in your territory and you can go suicide gang them. Like that's the worst thing that you can do to somebody that's mining. And that's not worth it to stop them from mining.
0: I heard interestingly, that Imperium is not suicide ganking miners because there are so many Imperium alts out there mining and they can't tell who is and who isn't. So they just said, just stop destroying, n- not only stop destroying miners because they might be ours, but we kind of need them to put it on the market so we could buy it, you know? like yeah. So it's um, interesting. There's, a, there's safety now for miners that, there, that wasn't there a few months ago.
1: I I honestly think that this mining change does create the need for people to trade between regions and it's going to be interesting seeing how the low-sec groups react, like I might be behind the curve here, but seeing low-sec people actually start mining the Noxium and the fact that there's so much available to in high-sec, it's actually worth mining in high-sec now. You can sit there for quite a while. Yeah.
0: Noxium being the one mineral, I think there's like eight, and it's uh, there's the one mineral that's really the bottleneck for for building, and that's going to be uh, found mostly in low sec, which
1: is... It's abundant, but it's in low sec. Yeah. So you can get rich, but you're risking your fleet to do so. <laughs> and I, I I honestly think that that reward will encourage people to figure out how to do it. And I think if you do it quietly in a corner, you could probably get away pretty well with it. Honestly, there's a lot of Noxium out there. and just It's not being mine because people are afraid to do it.
0: Wasn't that yeah. cool that, uh, at least that, 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 that the tighter that Noxium bottleneck is, the more incentive there is to go and get it, the more activity goes up in Losec. Did they just save Losec with a tight bottleneck on one mineral?
2: So here's the thing with the low Sec people, people who live in Losec and, and love the area, they're, they're a little bit they're of two minds, right? Because the, what they don't want to see is they don't want to see Losec to become null sec or to become null sec light. Like, what happens if Snuff, who just dropped a keep star in Rakapas? What if they just start throwing uh Rorkos around uh, through low Sec? And if you go and attack them, then uh, their their huge fleet is gonna drop on you. Then <laughs> Losec, it doesn't it, it becomes maybe more active in, in numbers and the metrics, but it becomes way less enjoyable to be in because what happens after that is. Hey, I'm a miner. I see all this money being made uh, in getting Noxium. Uh, I'm going to join Snuff or I'm going to join the group aligned to Snuff. Uh, So instead of being like in a small independent group or a group of five or ten people, I'm going to join up with these bigger guys and eventually uh, Snuff turns into Imperium Light in Losec uh, Mm -hmm. or the biggest group that does the same thing. So it's just, it's the same story told over in a different space. Um, But the good news is what I'm seeing a lot Wait, is, or It works ally with them, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, what I'm seeing a lot is people are, are so far staying small, and um, especially in domain. Domain is a massive region. It's got tons of little low-sec islands and low-sec pockets where you can mine and, and make your nut. Um, but there's a lot of mining going on in domain. The problem is because the Triglavians removed Niarja, there is no way for them to move that stuff from domain uh, and, and really do anything with it. So, domain as a region, even though it has all these resources, is like slowly falling. If you look at where it was in the MER um, yeah. a year ago, it was at the top. Now it's at the bottom in terms of uh, exports and imports. Uh, Sync is the big region. Sync zone is the Sync-Laison. big uh is the big winner here. It drops from the bottom and went to the top. Right. So more people it's, are it's
1: importing stuff into Sync. The two, and also a fun fact: I've been building jump bridges to the hubs. Sing Liaison is the bridge between Jita and Amar. So, Dodixie's kind of the midpoint. I know it's only like nine jumps and Amar is like 40, but jump freighting wise, it's the midpoint uh, between the two. And Deacon is a really close system to DoDixie. And it's also the bridge between DoDixie or between jumping from Jita and getting to Amar. So, if you're doing a jump freighter lane, DoDixie is smack in the middle.
2: Yeah, so uh, SYNC is the big winner here. A lot of people have been moving. Um, a lot of especially smaller groups of miners have been moving their stuff away uh, from the main and moving it into SYNC because, you know, the areas, it's still big. There's still a lot of stuff there uh, for them to mine, especially in the little low sec pockets. It's, it's not too
1: inundated with piracy. Um, um, Udama, you have to go through Udama if you're going through high sec. That's why I made the jump freighter line. And then also you have to go through HECC. Heck is another... H-E-K. line. Yeah, H-E-K. Uh, so, you go from Jita, and if you're going to Amar, you can go around to or you know, Swing by to Dixie, and then you're going to go to Heck, and then you'll end up in they call, Amar. Call that the
0: Silk Road now, because it yeah. winds the way through the lands to get to that far-off Amarian land.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting that they it that way. There's kind of like two sides now and you can kind of go back and forth between them and they're known as the biggest trade hubs and they are for good reason. There's the, the Amar is the closest to all the south and Jesus is the closest to all the north now. So, yeah. it, it makes sense that there's two trade hubs and I think it's honestly a good design choice. i force a little bit of uh, deviance because wow. they're not identical, of course.
0: Sure, they would say that the players decided that with the amount of systems they helped Triglavians take over and all that sort of thing. But what it has done, um, has changed uh, the the uh, monthly economic report statistics for Amar. So, do you think Amar is uh, coming or going? At least, do you think we thought that it would become bigger than Jita because it has such a customer base in the South
2: um, They can't I get to Jita anymore? I mean, I'm not the the best when it comes so, to this type of thing, but I certainly think domain is going away. Um, I, I see Do Dixie is becoming the next big winner here, maybe in not in the next couple of weeks or even months, but maybe this time next year, Dodixie is the second biggest trade hub uh, and domain or Amar is tied with like Heck or uh, Rents. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> so I, I I really see Amar standing where they are. I, I, I know you say that Dodixie is going to raise, but the fact that Amar services the South very well is important to it well, being a, a big thing. And I think that they'll both be big trade hubs at the end.
0: Well, Amar... And- Amar was uh hub, Right. But Amar in the south was eclipsed by Delve, which was further south, but Delve is no longer functioning. So maybe over time that client base that had good low prices in Delve, um, you know, ends up using Amar. It's it's a crazy thought because who knows what's gonna happen in the future, right? But
2: yeah, So where, I mean, there's even other things that are happening in resource redistribution that we haven't even touched on yet. Right. So this is still the the early stages. I know it was just leaked on, on CC earlier today or earlier this week that the uh, mission LP is, is next on the chopping block. Right? So oh. We have ESS oh. and the dynamic <laughs> distribution system for um, uh, ratting. Uh, we already saw the mineral redistribution. It looks like uh, miner- uh, mining is next. So.
1: I say, so, carrots have to be coming somewhere, but... Uh... It, it, yep. Uh, y- you mentioned the LP, and that's one that a lot of people are looking at me like, hey, what do you think about this? And I honestly think that CCP right now, they they, they should nerf it. I honestly think that they should. Uh, the LP makes a little bit too much a too easily, especially when you do level fives and burners out in all sec, It's a little bit too valuable. But at the same time... I know I'm a high-sec caregiver and I know I'm extremely biased, this is probably coming from biased words, it's in a good place for high-sec right now. You still have to do things and work for your ISC. And I think that right now on CC, they're testing it to see what can be done, how it can be done. And they're just turning knobs and seeing what the, the hell happens when you turn X knob Y happens. I got a screenshot in my Discord yesterday of a level 5 mission being worth 9,000 LP, which is literally one-tenth of the value as it was before. They're obviously not going to do a one-tenth nerf. Uh, I've heard another rumor that they changed the price of things from LP, which is on the test server. I think they're honestly just tweaking dials to see what happens, and they're figuring it out. And I'm sure we're going to hear something soon about what's going to happen, and I think that even if it's nerfed, it's still going to be good content to to play, and I don't think that they're going to nerf it by, like, 50%. I'd see reasonably like twenty to thirty percent nerf would make sense, but they're they're just turning dials on CC, turning dials on CC right now.
2: Yeah, from what from what the rumor will is, there people have been speculating about ten percent uh, probably drop off. So it's not a huge thing, but it's it's definitely gonna feel like everything's getting more expensive. I. I Bought a Dominix to go ESS diving the other day and I was like, the Dominics in this it's almost like 250. Two <laughs> yeah. <they're, laughs> like
1: with my fit and everything, I was
2: like, I could've bought like a year ago I was buying Balgorns for less than this. What is this? What's going on here? So yeah, mineral prices are going up. I thought for sure I was getting scammed somewhere, Gene. I was like, which one of these modules is too high? Something's gotta be wrong.
0: Well, it's starting to hit those secondary and tertiary uh, dev- um, supplier lines, right? Minerals go up, then the first level of ships gets uh, goes up, and then the uh, second level will go up too. It's funny when minerals go up, everybody buys the minerals, but nobody buys the equipment, you know. So that's that's a good thing. And speaking of this LP going up, right? Because the scarcity is going up as well, which means the price is going to go up. What kinds of stuff do LP? play into so that somebody can, what's the smart buys right now for people to avoid the LP?
1: I, I won't Price hikes. speculate on what's a smart buy for LP right now because that is, there are so many different reasons why different things would go up in different ways. Um, all that I know is that if, if they do nerf LP and that's, a, that's an if, uh, In a significant way, we'll see faction gear get more expensive. Uh, right with that ink going up, HeLa's went from 250 mil to 400 million almost instantaneously. Just wow. on the rumor? Just on the rumor, yeah. J- the rumor. yeah. Oh. Uh, because all HeLa's come from null burners. Like that's where they come from, or 90% of them come from that. You can probably get some uh, drop in random crap. But most of them come from null burners. It's an easy dump. And if those people that are running Nosec Burners decide, oh, well, this isn't worth it or I'm not making LP anymore, the price of Healers will go up. And so do all of the other pirate ships. They come from LP, from the, the Faction LP store, and that's the source of them. They come from those mission runners, and they get built that way. So we'll see their prices go up. We'll see all the Faction gear go up, all the SOE stuff, all the, all the random stuff will just go up. If it gets nerfed, that's all that's going to happen. Um, I don't think that it's going to be like you don't make money anymore from doing missions. I think the value of it will go up. But yeah, it, it's literally everything comes from LP. And if they nerf pirate LP specifically, which is I think is what's going to happen, uh, what will happen is pirate gear will get more expensive. Uh, I think pirate battleships and pirate cruisers and pirate frigates. That's yeah. just. It, it, this is all speculation. It's very clear. This is a change that happened yeah, on CC with no devlog or announcement. They're just playing with dials, dials on CC or on the test uh, server right now. Yeah, One it, of the, it's uh,
0: speculation, but it's it's actually very informed speculation as opposed to just somebody saying something.
2: Go ahead, Elise. I was gonna say uh, a few friends of mine they live in uh, Venal and that K through J area and the HPA and the um, and nj4 like there's a lot of Gorissa's missioners out there and they told me a few weeks ago that one of the um input broadcasting guys who's running burners for Goristas that they speculated might have also been a bot as well um he's been banned so they haven't seen him and his like uh set of systems going through there so that could be another reason for uh, the, the price hike of the heal and stuff like that but one of the things that's, that's always been frustrating to ccp is they make these fire ba- pirate battle cruisers, and they try and differentiate them from the T1 variety, try and make them a little bit better, try and make them cool, but they, they have to play with it. They have to be like very delicate because if they make the Gila too good, for instance, which I think they probably did, uh, everyone can agree it's it's an incredibly yoked-out ship, then
1: if uh, it's cheap... And it's the Gila. It's good at like two things. Yeah, which but it's a, really good at two things.
2: It's supremely good at them to the point where it's like... Uh, if you especially when you look at the abyss stuff, like it, they just dominate, right?
1: But well, uh, that's what they're good at. Every ship has its, you know, thing that it's good at and they excel in the field and they just kind of fit into abyss like a glove. They kind of work for other PvE, but they don't really do PVE well, if that makes sense.
2: <laughs> I can see. But either way, uh to the back to what I was I was going for, um, is is like it's hard to balance them when they're everywhere and they're very cheap, like how much better than a Vex or Navy issue can it be, or and stuff like that? So it's neat that now that they're a little bit more expensive, or potentially becoming more expensive, um, that maybe uh, the thing that separates them from their Tech One or Navy counterparts um, might be a little bit more exaggerated. So, so that could be a, a cool byproduct uh, that happens, which is it's always nice to see.
0: Yeah. So interestingly. This brings back the point that Fozzie made, but years ago, <clears throat> that it's not a good idea to balance on price. So you don't want to make something really good, just really expensive, uh, because some people will be easily able to get it and dominate, and other people that can't afford it will be left out. So it was never a good idea. But has that changed? Because scarcity seems to be doing some balancing, Right.
2: I think it's doing it by accident, or yeah. maybe not by accident, but uh, as uh, um, maybe less than intended consequence, right? So it's uh, whenever you hear, just um, be talk about it. It's something that's always in the back of their head a little bit that they're they're aware of, but it's never like the the main focus for their design decision, at least not publicly. But I'm sure they're really happy about where where things are now because you know the things they buffed, buffed, buffed have been getting uh, better and better and better and, and more expensive, um, as a result of this scarcity. Uh, yeah. and, and I guess that kind of segues next into, uh, the, the next patch that's coming And Um, explosive. Hey, this has a little bit more insight on this, but essentially, uh, we're talking we're about explosive,
0: explosive velocity, let's introduce yeah. it. Wait, before we go there, I just have one more question for you at least. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that was, I almost forgot. Oh, the MER, Monthly Economic Report, we just have to put this in there, uh, uh, that the keep stars that were taken in October in Delve, right, those five keep stars that went down, four of them were destroyed, but in the process, trillions of us were actually destroyed. Uh, that did register on the uh, MER, you could see it down there. Do you have any thoughts on, on the destruction in Delve numbers?
2: Um, I think the PAPI side are looking at that with a huge grin on their face. They know exactly like that was the purpose uh, or at least they can they have the benefit of saying uh, now after the fact that that was the purpose of all the keep stars, whether or not that's actually true. Billy did say that uh, that was part of the reason for dropping so many is they want to bleed the Imperium um, out of ISK and some of their resources and stockpiles. Uh, but that they can look at that with a huge grin on their face, say, hey, uh, over the course of uh, just a few weeks. We surpassed the rest of the game combined uh, in terms of destruction uh, and what we inflicted. And you know what, We, the Pappy side, they, they lost very little in terms of this, right? So this is almost all an Imperium spike. Um, huge, huge, never before seen really the level uh, of like, destruction there. But here's mm-hmm. the thing, the Imperium can just sit back and say, hey, we'll do it again. Uh, double dog Dares, we'll do it a third time. Like we don't care. <laughs> we have a war chest that that is built for this. We have the ability to do this and sustain it. No other mega alliance or coalition in the game could have survived uh, that level of destruction well, that, and still have that level of destruction in their arsenal plus some.
0: Yeah, that's that's the smart money, and that would be the smart rhetoric, that confidence of sitting back and say, it's no problem, we'll do it again. But that's not really what we heard from the Imperium. Because in the last fireside, I think you heard Matani saying, like, that really hurt. And what I've heard is that he wasn't around for those Keepstars, like he was on vacation or something. Uh, I'm not sure if that's true. And so the decision making to actually spend that amount of money uh, wasn't necessarily his. This is what I'm hearing. So when he did come back and they did attack the the fifth Keepstar, he's like, we're not doing that again. And that's what I've heard. Anyway, yeah, what
2: do you think I mean, that? that? would That would make a lot of sense, too, because that, that's one of those moments, again, where both sides, their leadership, they were diametrically opposed in their views, and they both thought they were right. The pappy side were like, I can't believe they're throwing so much at this keep star. We'll just drop another one. The Imperium side was just, at the time, they were just like, hey, we'll just keep doing this. Ravens ain't no thing. We'll just keep throwing stuff at it. And they got it down, like they got the the butchers bill down from the first one to the last one to a very low price. Um, and then when the the bubble wrapped Keepstar YZ9 happened, um, they just didn't show up, right? That at the time the rhetoric was, "Oh, the the bubbles caused lag." That was I don't want to say it was bullshit, but it was because the entire Pappy side bridged in after the bubbles went up, anyways. Um, so they probably just did a cost analysis of it, and they were like, you know what? strategy that we wanted to do for this one won't work because of the bubbles if we want to get this thing down we're going to lose probably 300 dreads it's just not worth it screw it um and, and they didn't want to raise that tab any higher it's probably another reason why you didn't see them throwing bodies at the, the yz9 one especially because it doesn't really matter too much to them right there's already one in there you've already opened that box uh, you're not sealing it again you mean the t5z one oh uh, sorry the
0: new, yeah the new one yeah the new new keep star they didn't contest it at all on exactly either yeah. timer but because they didn't, they had the dreads to take out a titan. Uh, so I see what the uh,
2: exactly yeah. right and and that that killing that titan probably it was more valuable to the Imperium anyways because you did it right under the the pappy noses too. So it's just like a, a super double sweet moment for them. Like, hey, we didn't waste these killing your Keepstar. We let you put it in, and we killed your uh, killed your rag on the way to uh, enjoy living next door to us guys. Like that. That's just yeah. a perfect. Imperium, like locker room material for the rest of the week.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what you look for in these fights is, uh, is morale boosts and victories where you can get them. And that's why you see such tortured narratives when, uh, all facts are against you and you're starting to see all this, uh, um, really kind of mind bending, uh, rhetoric come out and not just on Imperium side, but mostly, right. I won't say it's a tie score when it comes to rhetoric, um, because Billy May, uh, say some things that are very partisan, but the facts are kind of on his side. And that's one thing that can't be denied. Uh, the floodplains are gone. Uh, the, everything's, you know, breached in Delve and now you're in the middle of Delve. You were right. They just contested like four or five or more I hubs. Again, that I hub is uh is a destruction of your infrastructure. It strands your structures that are in your region. So those are marked for destruction and those are facts. Can't deny them. And it's it's hard to narrate around them and stuff. So, you know, that's that's why you're seeing such kind of like uh, weird stuff. And here's the funny thing, like Fountain was resistant at the very beginning of the war. And then it broke down through through basically, I think another rumor I've heard, and I'm not sure this, maybe it's not fit for publication, but for whatever reason initiative left Fountain, so did Bastion. And it was taken and raised, basically. Everything was destroyed there for IHUBS and a lot of structures were destroyed. But initiative came right back, and within three or four days, took most of it back—not all of it. And then over time, they solidified it. Now their um, ADMs, I think, are at like three or four. They're very mature ADMs, so the place is very much uh, taken back. But yeah. now they're in striking range to go and wipe it out again.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's probably one of the, the in interesting strategies that is going to play out here, right? Um, so, and this is probably going to benefit uh, The pappy side as well, because they can, th- they can distract everyone uh, of their members. I, I don't want to say like that they need to be manipulated or anything, but they can say, "Hey, I know 1dq is right here. Don't worry too much about it. We're going back for Fountain Part Two, the Boogaloo, because they are now completely cut off." Uh, and that's the interesting part right now. Everyone that is in Fountain that moved in there, they are just kind of stuck there, frankly. Uh, because the Pappy is now between the Imperium and the rest of Fountain. So those guys that are in Fountain, they're going to have to uh, scoot out through Iridia or secure their stuff uh, into the um, NPC areas in there, which is like Fountain Core. Because if, if stuff comes through there, if like Horde runs rampant through there, and the rest of uh, Pappy do as well, um, there's, there's no backup coming. Right there, There's no way they can save that Y-2 area. It's completely wide open
0: yeah oh, and there was the narrative there by uh It says the the initiative is deployed to esoteria because test is now evacuating or the other way around because initiative went test is evacuating um whatever <laughs> like that's just narration of uh timing, but we know there's an opportunity to distract that's why initiative's in there we know um that the war really is in delve as as we can see, so esoteria falling apart is important, but not critical to this war. And thirdly, uh, initiative being in, in, in a fountain, I'm not sure how they would be able to resist uh, a full Pappy force coming through again. Uh, maybe if just Horde did it on their own, there would be some competitiveness, but literally they are going to get rolled in, in, in fountain again. I don't see how that's not going to happen, but you never know because people are going in different directions and maybe, uh, maybe something's happened. Maybe the war breaks open into a lot of skirmishes and stuff, but so far it's been a pretty solid plan. So,
2: Yeah. I feel yeah. like we can, we can spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to jump back. Yeah. yeah, yeah bit, right? So uh, we've okay. got the holidays coming up, which is a, right. a time where people might not be able to play um, as actively as they otherwise could, especially as the Eve player base is aging a little bit, right? A lot of young families uh, in terms of, especially in, in some FCs, right? So you got uh young, young, uh, 30 year olds, right? As the average median age. <laughs> yeah. So 32 it's not like it's you. not like these kids are on like winter break saying, Yo, let me boot up the Eve online and see what happens now they don't have a uh, middle school to go to, right? So uh, they've gotta temper temper the action a little bit here. So I wouldn't be surprised if from now until the year end um, you see the fighting going down in Esoteria and Fountain in these little like I don't wanna call them proxy wars because they're like right there and in your face, but these these little areas that are off the the heat map of delve, uh, so that's why I expect a lot of the action to be. And until the new year, then they can jump right back and do it right. Because no one wants to jump into this huge fight in delve while there's like people like half your members can't log in. That would be a disaster for both sides. Um,
0: so it might so, see yeah. a lull. Might see a lull in activity. Might see a little
2: bit of lull. that's why I was always interested in how um, the horde ping framed it. How Goblins. Uh, framed to do his members like, "Hey guys, fountain's back on the menu." Um, instead of, you know, we're right next door to one DQ. Let's take it all down tomorrow. It's, "Hey guys, we've positioned ourselves to the point where we can take fountain, and the the Imperium can't do anything about it. Let's go. So, I, I think that's going to be the focus. And- oh, that's, that's such an
0: interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. Let, let's do some low intensity work. Uh, instead of raising the stakes super high when everybody's gonna go inactive. That's an incredibly insightful point. Okay, enough about the war. Let's move on to the new expansion coming up in December, speaking of holidays. And uh, what do you guys think of explosive velocity? Uh, first, what's in it? And then what do you guys think of it?
1: So the first change is that they're ch- uh, making torpedoes apply better, which is going to make them more viable in a lot of situations. Right now, the only time that you use torpedoes is on, I believe it's a Navy Raven that has the, um, the explosion radius bonus. And then you use torpedoes on, on stealth bombers and occasionally golems. And then of course, if you're looking for memes, you'd put them on Phoenix, but overall torpedoes have been a really bad applying weapon system. They're not used generally. It's better to just use cruise missiles on most missile ships rather than torpedoes. So. I'm excited to see them actually apply better and I'm excited to see what kind of uh, ships or usefulness we can find from them. But uh, their a- application is atrocious. Uh, a, a, if you have all fives to your missile skills and you shoot a battleship with a battleship weapon and both of them are sitting stationary, you do not apply full damage. It is silly how bad the application of torpedoes is. And there are a few ships that can actually make that better to a degree where you actually would get full damage on a hit. And um, I'm, I'm just excited to see that seeing torpedoes used more often would be very exciting. I know that's super brief, but do you have anything else to say?
2: I just say like the, 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 the TL, you did a really good job uh, summing it up. The the TLDR is that the um, the Hall Phoenix is going to be more pervasive. Like when I read that patch uh, that patch note, the only thing I can think of is Hall Phoenix. Like that's what I see in my in my eyes, and it's uh, a hilarious little thing to fly around. It applies yeah, a lot more net uh, damage now, and yeah. So the the big thing is damage application is getting buffed. Um, I know Stitch a uh, very accomplished PvPer, and uh, he likes to fly things that use torpedoes. He was a bit bummed um, at this patch because it's it's buffing his favorite weapon type, but it's buffing it in a way that he doesn't think it. Okay, let me let me rephrase this so I don't uh, butcher his thoughts. He would have preferred to see a range bonus instead of an application bonus because the application is already so bad that he he works that into the equation and works that into his fits. Um, but he would rather see the damage go a little bit further rather than the misses go a little bit further. Um, so mm. so people are a bit mixed, but I, I do think this is just an overall buff to, to Torps, right? And we've been seeing... Uh, CZB have been doing this really well and I don't know if we've given them enough credit for it, but they've been instead of buffing a ship class or a ship type in one big patch, they're putting these small ones out um, over the course of almost like six, eight months that'll slowly buff these ships up, right? So um, uh, two years ago, you say, oh, the the, the Foon is trash. And it even looks like a trash can. Um, what to CCB done? They buffed damage type. They've re- reduced resist for everything else. They've buffed battleships a little bit. They're buffing application. So, um, I am just going to mention
1: torpedoes buffs. were already buffed in the last weapons change when they buffed all the post range ammo. Guess what got a buff? The rage ammo, but guess what has no application? <laughs> rage <laughs> ammo. <laughs> exactly. So, you're seeing this
2: series of buff after buff after buff for these types of ships. So, it's it's hard for these theory crafters to um, come up with like a new meta defining uh, doctrine um, or even like small gang stuff. So, it, it's it's very cool to see. Because after like just a certain – there's like a certain threshold where a ship has gotten so many buffs that you're like, hey, I kind of forgot that this ship is good. Uh, So
1: let me go ahead and fly this now. So it it is cool to see. So on on the range uh, discussion, so torpedoes don't have terrible range. I know that's going to sound absurd, but if you – what you do to compensate for their application is you put on a bunch of tracking computer or uh, ballistic control. I, I can't remember exactly what they're called. They're the computers that make missiles apply better yeah. or have better range. You can script them both ways. So Javelin Torps, with a couple range scripts, actually reach out to a reasonable distance for what the weapon system is. It, 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 it compensates for that weakness to a degree that I feel is fair. I feel like buffing their range is not... A good option on that note. So, and then also a lot of ships that use them have some kind of range bonus. Interested to see what this does to the uh, the barghest with torpedoes because that ship is awesome. Yeah, the
2: Bargast does own it. it's also it's also one of those ships. that's like, oh, let me go buy a uh when I was like out in June, I was like, wait, they're almost a billion isk now. What what's going on? Like the prices of
1: everything has just kept going up. So they're a billion isk because. They can do level fives. That's why. They can, yeah, they're really good at level
2: five. They're, I mean, they're insanely good at level fours. I, I think I watched one of your videos uh, of just blitzing level fours in a Vargas. They are so good. And also, they're one of the only bo- ships in the game that gets a bonus to the Rapid Heavies, which are an insanely good ship as well. Um, you're talking about the new ESS area where you don't have to worry about frigates so much. Um, so you can, like, there's a new theater PvP. You don't have to worry about the tiny, tiny ships, so Rapid Heavies are even better at, at everything they do.
1: I feel like Ravens with Torpedoes or, or other things with Torpedoes might be a lot of fun in the ESS after this change. Maybe the application will be really good against cruisers and whatnot. Um, but also, I do want to note uh, before we get distracted from this that with them buffing Torpedoes, uh, if they just did that without changing anything else, Bombers would become stupid scary because they're doing about a thousand DPS right now after the most recent Rage buff. They are also nerfing Bombers, uh, and none of these numbers have been put in concrete yet. So they've said that they're buffing it, but we don't know if it's by 5%, by 20%, by 2%. We don't know how big of a change it actually is, so we can't actually start developing and figuring things out because we don't know the exact numbers yet. But any buff, I will gladly take for Torpedoes. Because they they need it.
2: Yeah, that is important to point out. Because I think uh, when when I when I had stars in my eyes looking at the the Phoenix, the Haw Phoenix, um, everyone else, every sensible person was like, "Guys, but bombers, right?" So it's it's good to see that they're going to get um, taken down a little bit because they're already very good at what they do uh, in terms of killing big ships. In terms of bombing, uh, I, I think the bombers are in a good spot. So I don't want to. I don't. Hopefully, they don't get. Too strong or too weak, but it does look like at least you're right that they're gonna keep try and keep an even keel on those.
0: All right, Um, so we're running out of time because Elise has a second duty he has to do, and that is the Alliance tournament. We'll talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to hit both you guys who are very visible in the community of EVE Online players uh, as streamers and as uh, commentators and such. Partnership program announced by CCP. What do you guys think of that?
1: Um, I'm actually really excited for it. It, It'll give content creators a way to uh, give back to their communities in an easier way. I know that I've been playing EVE Online for free, and I spend most of the gifts that I make on Plex. Actually, that recently changed, but I'm not going to get into that right now. But um, it's hard for people to continue playing the game and pay for the game, and then you give all the support to the game, And we haven't really gotten anything back as a kickback from CCP in a long while. We used to be able to stream to the CCP channel, which was... It felt really weird. Um, You'd support them, and you wouldn't really get a lot of support back. You kind of did. And I feel weird saying this, being on another person's channel. But for the most part, it helps the creator that recruits the person. So Matterall, for example, would benefit greatly from me coming into the channel, but I may not receive as much benefit because I'm just coming onto his channel. So he received a benefit from it. Um, but it helps when those, uh, those content creation ways benefit both sides really well. And I feel like the, uh, the benefits that they're offering uh, with the rule set that they have is actually really fantastic. Uh, basically, uh, if you read the terms of service for it, uh, you just need to basically stream Eve online and they're not super strict about it. They say that you can't like, you can't get angry and bash Eve online, uh, which is kind of fair. I mean, they don't want you talking their game, but they do allow lenience for like, if you're unhappy about something, speak up, say it, that's fine. And then also the other thing that's been controversial on this is that if you are part of the partnership program, you're not supposed to attack other streamers and the way that is worded and the way it looks like to me uh, which is the, the big talking point on this uh is that if if you naturally come across so say you're you're running well, a gaming stream
0: do they mean in the game or do they mean like you it, can't it, talk yeah. trash about other streamers
1: they don't want the partners to ruin each other's streams is is basically what it is so say you are a content creator that does ganking and you gank somebody that's also a partner, um, if that gank was a fluid thing that would have happened without the streams existing, and and so like you didn't go in their stream and hunt for them, but if you guys just happen across each other, it'd be okay, is my understanding on that. Uh, but that's a, the biggest question that I've been getting. Um, but again, I'm not CCB. I don't know exactly how the rules are. And as far as I know, nobody's actually gotten the application back yet. Uh, I put mine in right away, because I honestly like to the, the yeah. rule set for it. it. It's fair and it's reasonable and it's what you can expect out of somebody that's advertising your game. And uh, what the content creators get back is they get uh, some skins to give away. They get some plex that they, they get 500 plex a month that they get and their one of their accounts gets paid for. So they actually get stuff to give away to their viewers. And then on top of that, they're saying that, um, that they're going to advertise as streams, which is a huge kickback to content creators. So like Matter All For You... When you go live on TAS, a, a notification or something might go on on the uh, onto the, the launcher, cool. so people would see the channel and know that oh, there's a news channel for Eve Online. This is really cool. I think that there's a lot of uh, potential for CCP to advertise their content creators, and that is absolutely fantastic and a good way to help the content creators, which then in turn helps them. So it's it's a mutually beneficial relationship that I see working very well. Elise. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really
2: like it as well. It's something that uh, EVE has needed, right? Because Eve is, EVE is such a niche game. There have been so many talented people uh, enter EVE online start creating content for it. And then they can't really, the the base isn't there for them to like keep growing. So they go on and move to something else. And yeah. obviously, I'm happy where they go on and be successful. I know that's the nature of content creation and streaming. But it sucks that we've had like so many huge names that are leaving and it's like people like, hey, Liz, I want to keep and grab onto and make sure he doesn't ever leave. So this is a nice little incentive to, you know, keep those uh, in, like incredibly talented people making that EVE Online content because there is no manual for EVE Online, right? If, at least for mm-hmm. me, if there's anything that I ever have a question with, I, I hop on the YouTube. I look on uh, like blogs and podcasts and stuff to, to see what the answer is. Um, like everything seems relatively boilerplate to me, uh, which is good, right? In, in a game of this size, you would expect something like that. I'm glad we're seeing it. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more on the, like the low end, a little bit more on the high end. Like I wish it was tiered, right? So we could get the the viewers of the world to have something like a little bit more, and then people just starting out, like the resources they might need, right? Like, and by resources, I just mean like uh, DMCA free audio for their streams, like some ideas on art assets they can use for their streams,
1: uh, just a little step up program type thing. But maybe that's coming. So CCP has released this in the past. Every single asset is free to download for use in content creation. Just period, you can download every single visual asset in the game. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, that's good.
2: One of the things I do love about this partner program the most, right? A, the the reliance, (laughs) the reliance on podcasts and and blogs, because, um, or rather not the reliance on but the support of podcasts and blogs, which you don't necessarily see in other games, uh, in their partnership program deals. I love that because EVE Online just has this rich history uh, of having this incredible blogosphere uh, and just uh, podcasts and stuff like that. So that's it's a nice to see them recognize that. Um, and also the access to the devs part is huge. Um, what separates EVE Online for me and always has been uh, is the fact that the, the people that make the game, the people that are behind the scenes are passionate about the project that they're working on and they'll come and talk to the players about it. They'll happily, like, you can grab a CCPer and pull them onto your show and just talk to them about it. And they'll be like, okay, yeah, I do this for work every day, but I'm happy to spend my weekend talking to you about it too. And yeah. that, that excitement is very real. Um, but obviously, they don't know everyone, so they can't reach out to every single person. So for a long time, it's been a matter of, like, who do you know um, if you're a podcaster or a blogger? Like, can you reach out? Do you have the ability to reach out to like uh, a CCB alpha type person to, to comment on your stream or uh, to a CCB Fozzie or to a CCB Rise and get a quick comment about this. Now they're going to be in all one central spot. where you can reach out to them. Uh, you don't have to have like a pre-existing preexisting uh, network with them, or anything like that. Uh, everyone's on a level playing field yeah. and everyone can grab these devs. And, and really that's what makes Eve special to me, right? Uh, who cares about the, the mechanics of the game? Yeah, it's pretty, it's fun. The community is amazing. Um, but the fact that the, the players are able, or rather, the community is able to interact with the devs, that just takes it to a new level. Uh, so it's nice that we're seeing yeah. see more of that. And, so, and that's just a thing that, like, stuck out on the screen to me.
1: Chat is mentioning something that is true. Uh, noisy Games, looking at the qualifications, now I don't qualify. The qualifications are about half of what Twitch partnership is, so it's kind of steep for new content creators to get in, but I think they wanted to do that so that, they, that people are somewhat vetted and have been around it for a while. Uh,
0: he's, he's a writer, not a streamer, but yeah.
1: Yeah, well, it, but still, it, it, it's they're rather on the steep side, at least on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they want an average concurrent viewership of 40 people going three months back. Um, I don't know many people, or there's probably a lot more than I think, that are in the window between which partnership and, and EVE partnership requirements. So there's not many people in that, that small window that you would see specifically going for this. And I know a few viewers of mine are like, Ooh, well, I may as well start streaming now. Um, getting to that partnership or just doing that just to get the benefits of partner or, or EVE Online partner There needs to be something else driving aside from that. You can't do it just for that. That's not enough to incentivate you or motivate you. I'm not trying to discourage people from trying. And I think it's great to get more people streaming, even more people excited about EVE. But um, it is a little on the steep side uh, as a starting streamer. You're not going to get it instantaneously. And I do encourage you guys to go for it and chase after it if it's what you really want. But streaming and content creation as a whole is a very difficult world to work in yeah so i
2: I will say to noisy's point and and this is something that i was i was talking about before i would love to see a step up program like uh, an area in the middle there or an area like between partnership program where you don't necessarily get um like uh, you don't get the scans or you don't get the 500 plex but you get certain other access and you get certain other things right because the fact that no noisy's blog is cited by CCP themselves. Like the guy who does the entire EVE ecosystem talks about Noisy's blog in his uh, like uh, comments like to the community. The researcher. fact that he doesn't qualify is completely <laughs> ridiculous, right? Like I know he's an outlier. I'm sure when he applies, they're going to be like, oh shit, he doesn't meet the qualifications of his Bushman anyway. But there are a lot of people that fall into that category where hopefully in the next few months here, we're going to see like um, an iteration on this program where Hey, the, the mega people get like a thousand plex, right? And, you know, these other people, they get uh, the people starting out, like, we'll, we'll show off their, we'll showcase their blogs. Like we'll put them on a, a central page for everyone to find because they meet the quality that we want. Just the eyes aren't there yet. So let's get the, let's do what we can to put the eyes on it, which is what the partnership program is all about. That's a, so, a really good
0: point that they have the quality. They just don't have the eyes yet. It's a very good point. Listen, we're going to lose Elise really quickly. He's got to run do the Alliance Open, the Alliance Tournament. But real quick, can you size it up for us? Because
2: we're going to raid that next. What's uh, going on in the Alliance Tournament there? So right now we're in the finals. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's uh, watching. Uh, you can always go to the event YouTube to watch any single match. Um, but the meta has been back and forth. There's been a ton of upsets. Uh, some of the names that you might have expected to be in the finals are not there. Some of the some new names are there, and uh, a very surprising team has made it very, very far. Also, so far, my favorite match of this whole tournament, um, it has been a match with Brave Newbies, uh, or rather the Brave Collective. A Brave had a single Griffin pilot, uh, perfect, perfect for Brave, right? That turned the tide of a match. He jammed out an Atana, which is like a 250 billion esque. Um, super tech two logistics cruiser. Um, And and he just nullified it completely with a Griffin. And if that isn't like the most iconic brave story ever where guy in Griffin thwarts a huge enemy, (laughs) I I don't know what is. So that was my (laughs) favorite match. Uh, it was so perfect. Uh, you couldn't have scripted it any better. There's a touch of irony that you're the one saying that too, right? Yeah, because like <laughs> I've been the one that's been jammed by them, right? So <laughs> uh, it was really, really cool to see. Brave did, had a really fantastic showing. They went very far as well. Um, not in the finals, though, so I don't want to spoil it right too much. For you. And do you have the name on hand on who that Griffin pilot was? Um, it's, the per- it's the person in charge of the Brave Dojo, too, the, the, the group that hands out the skill books um jake's something something let us know chat if you know but yeah it all was right. absolutely wonderful to see it was just so perfect so iconic
0: yeah by the way what insight you have not to spoil it for people that want to go back and watch it now thank you that is like really thoughtful all right cool so you're off to do some commentating and we're in the
2: final round so this weekend where you're going right now basically is the end right yeah it's the last match is going to be a best of five so we'll, we'll see who comes out victorious here Mm um, and, and what crazy hygiene's happened. Great.
0: Awesome. Elise. Thanks again, as always, uh, if you have to drop, go ahead and drop. Uh, we picked up Ron USMC who actually rated us earlier and quadrupled our numbers. (laughs) Thanks, Ron,
1: Ron. Hey
3: guys.
0: Hey, um, I wanted to go to, um, we're going to move over to ESS now, uh, and talk about what uh, the first week and a half has been like. This came out, I believe two weeks ago, Tuesday. Um, And uh,
1: Hateless, what what has been your experience with it? Have you kept playing with it? Uh, I have a little bit. Uh, I played with it a little bit last week, and I found that I got a couple fights. Frat's been really really uh, wanting to hunt you and not let you leave. (laughs) So we we had some fun. Uh, the, The meta for it is definitely developing, and the response fleets are getting more efficient and better at defending which is really good. At least that's what I'm seeing. And uh, I actually had a a whole adventure last week with uh, my fleet that ended up not seeing content from the ESS, but because we went out on the ESS, we actually killed a golem, which was a lot of fun. Um, But as a content generation flashpoint, it's pretty great. I'm not sure how it's going to continue to develop. As uh, this war ends, I'm sure ratters will start ratting more. A lot of the active players that rat are in the middle of war right now. So, um, I don't think that we're seeing it at its, uh, I don't know, at at its best because of the larger war happening as a lot of people are deployed on war. I did go out to a lot of the, a lot I've been taking neat filaments out to it and I'm getting a lot of, oh, well, if I was at home, I would defend, but nobody's home because they're all at war. But I do see a lot of potential for it to continue being good. Uh, I know that BRMB has been having a lot of fun with it, and a lot of other streamers have been really enjoying it and having fun. And it has gotten me out of my Care Bear uh, little bubble, and I've been actually going out and PvPing and having fun, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Wow, proof positive
0: right there. Yeah. So what it was intended to do is mix people up. Uh, From what I've heard... uh, fraternity, at least Naro's posted in Talking in Stations, uh, their income has dropped by 50% when it comes yeah. to adding um, already. Yeah,
1: so they're even very though they're good at
0: de- defending their space, though. Even though they're defending really well, they're still losing half uh, of their income. Uh, and I can't imagine what that means for people that aren't as fierce as Fraternity in defending their uh, I mean.
1: I, I did end up in uh, up in, in northern space. Uh, I'm not sure who, but there were old courtmates of mine, and their response fleet was almost instantaneous, and they had a really high index, and they were ratting. Oh, okay. so some people are making more because Is that of a smaller the group? index bonus. Yeah, that's that, that was a smaller group. Oh, that's but nice to see. If some down, people are making too. more than they were before, and there's definitely a way to defend your space, get that bank big, attract people, get more kills and multiply your your ratting ticks because, I mean, you get more for being effective at defending and ratting, uh, which is really cool. I do see ideas, or I do see it being a potential for flashpoints. Again, CCP can still dial the knobs on the exact rate that the index goes up and down to incentivize more people to rat. Those numbers aren't hard and fast. We don't know if you killed this cruiser this happens and they can still adjust those dials and, and make it work the way they want it to, even if the player base isn't behaving exactly how they want it to, uh, to incentivize the player base to behave in the way that is beneficial to everybody.
0: Yeah, I saw, we talked to uh, Murray Rothbardo earlier in the week during the uh, Daily News show, and uh, he was saying that he would kind of calculated about 500 million, if you rat under 500, 500 million, I hope that's right, uh, per system, then it doesn't really drop your, uh, percentage that you get to keep, uh, f- from that. Uh, but it takes apparently days and days and days for it to regenerate back. And that means you would have to cycle through different systems for like 10, 15 days, uh, staying at just over, you know, staying at over under 500 million, like per day, which is Pretty unusual, but there's a way that's,
1: to kind of mitigate your losses. That's, that's fairly low to try and standard that number as like a ratting number uh, saying I, I spent eight hours in the game. And I only made 500 million in the system like that. Or you that could hurts. do two
0: hours two hours a day or something, you know? Yeah, but
1: I, I'm going to say there's five people living there. And they, right. they need to make their share.
0: So that's a pretty, pretty low... In other words, uh, the dynamic bounty system is generally going to lower people's income just because yeah. of the
1: strain on the system. Well, what if the people spread out? Makes the footprint bigger. Makes you spread out a little bit to earn more risk as a group, and then uh, spreading out makes out. but
0: makes you makes ESS, it riskier. Yeah, it makes your it e- riskier for you, but also your ess less defendable, which is interesting too, right? Yeah, I like how these two things sure. work together. Yeah, the more um, people spread out, the less people there are to consolidate to fight a fight over an ESS. So you're kind of it's kind of an interesting dynamic.
1: Yeah, you you got to balance it to your personal risk and reward. And there's definitely potential to uh, to make it better. And this being new, and people that generally are dedicated care bears, for lack of a better term, they don't know how to come back and respond. So they're just kind of like not running. Uh, and as people figure it out and get better at it, I'm sure we'll see more people running.
0: Yeah. And what we're looking at on screen is uh, McLeod showing us what ESS looks like on the map so you can detect where uh, the money is and uh, you know where where there's a lot of ratting going on and, and money collecting in that ESS. It's interesting. It's only in Sov null. It's not in NPC null. So you'll see some gaps in the usual, uh, some dark spots in the empire space, but also in nullsec because some of that is owned by NPCs.
1: So also, uh, somebody is mentioning another big side effect to this is a lot of people are coming from low sec to or from null sec to high sec uh, to run missions or mine instead. Uh, And the LP value right now uh, has been tanking because of that. We were mentioning earlier that there might be an LP change right around the corner, but the number of people running missions right now is higher than it ever has been. Uh, I don't know the the mining numbers, but a lot more people are coming into high sec for content than being in null sec because they like the security of it.
0: What's that, what's that mean for you since you run missions all the time?
1: Uh, My profits have dropped.
0: (laughs) Well, now how does that affect you? Uh, Is it just competition in the marketplace or?
1: Yeah. So what's happening is a lot more people are running missions. So that means that, uh, more people are buying stuff with loyalty points, which then turns around and means that more stuff is on the market, so the prices go down. And then your ISK per LP, which is the value that we look at when we are comparing loyalty point stores with each other, is that they're overall dropping in value across the board because a lot of more people are running and a lot more people are making unwise decisions on the market. I'm going to get salty here if we continue going on this slide. But a lot of people are making unwise decisions, like dumping 3 million LP worth of stuff onto the market and expecting that to be doable again. If you do that once, you're going to crash a market. It's going to take a while for that market to uh, bounce back from that. But it's great for people that use faction gear. It's absolutely fantastic. So those that explore and like sister's gear uh, or those that that like to use uh, Kaldari ballistics controls or whatever, that stuff is going to get cheaper uh, with this happening. Because there's more people using loyalty points and more people converting loyalty points, but that's that's like a, a tertiary side effect of the ess is that people are coming into high sec to make isk, and that's I kind know of what we predicted, right? You can't safely make isk doing e, doing stuff in the ess or doing stuff in, in null sec riding out there. You're going to find another means to do it, and that's perfectly fine. People can do that and you know do what they want to do, and there are alternatives to riding in null sec, and that is fantastic that they exist.
0: Yeah, uh, it's interesting how the world has changed from three years ago, two years ago. It's a it's a completely different place. Well, Ron, have you had any experience with ESS? or Are you busy with the war?
3: Um, yeah, no, I've uh, been playing around with it. I, you know, I think it's just a uh, another mechanic for you know those mean high secers to oppress the poor null sec farmers trying to. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: no, I, I think it's great. I think it's great, man. I I what I've seen, you know, the meta um because you know, obviously, like the big thing is filaments in combination with this, right? So using a filament, whatever system you are, look for the nearest one with the ESS and hit it. And then wait 15 minutes and then fill them out. So just kind of like hopping around the map, right? And then the second thing that I see is it's either skewed one way or the other. It's, it's I think the only exception is like frat space where they will just keep up shipping, right? Um, but I see like one person trying to rob and there's like 10 defenders. And then the person trying to rob, you know, gets irritated. And then I'll see 10 people robbing and one defender or no defenders. Because when you go to the gate, you can de-scan, right, to see what's there. And, you know, maybe one or two ships go to the ESS and then they see uh, Bjorn's uh, bank robbers there, you know, 10 or 15 ships and they're like, eh, we're good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I liked hearing though is a lot of the guys that would be bank robbers are actually getting uh, killed by the law, you know, a <laughs> new sheriff in town. Mm-hmm. So, so they've been dying too. It's not just like they're going around raiding everything and taking it and it's lopsided. It's it's definitely created a win-lose scenario for everybody.
3: Uh, yeah, so I like hearing yeah, that and, and, of being lopsided. And the meta will evolve, right? The meta will evolve. It'll, you know, it's phantasms or nightmares or, you know, whatever sort of afterburner. Kind of spicy ship, and you know it'll evolve, and it'll be fun, but I think the one thing I really enjoy the most about it is that it's getting defense fleets subcap defense fleets more involved, and I think that's uh, really great and i'm I'm really happy to see a lot more of that
0: and that's something you're very familiar with, right scrambling defense fleets to uh
3: yeah, yeah, but mostly like, you know, capitals, right? Like supers and and caps. And um, you know, the the subcaps would just be, you know, for tackle, right? But with this, you know, it's pure subcap, right? So it's pure like small gang. Um, so the standing fleets are more like, you know, roaming groups of five or ten sheriffs, right? And they're just how fast can you get to said system? You know, um, if someone you know has an ESS alert, well, now they have five minutes, right, to assemble and get to that specific system, or it's a wash.
0: Right. All right. Uh, McLeod, if you might put that picture up, some beautiful image that uh, came over here from Ron. And we'll wrap up with this, uh, this last part. And- it's, uh, it looks like the dreads actually getting doomsdayed off the field. So when those Titans came in, one thing we did miss was uh, just how fast they were cleared off. Why don't you tell us what happened there, Ron? Uh, this is uh, in DTAC W Delve.
3: Yep, yep. This is uh, right next door to us. And it was, you know, from what I understand, it was just an accident. Um, the guy was dual boxing or triple boxing, and he hit warp to gate on the wrong client. And he had an interceptor, and he also had a Titan, and he warped to the gate. Um, you know, in his Titan, and,
0: and he, jumped, he jumped with his interceptor and warped the gate. His Titan. <laughs>
3: yeah, and uh, I cheers to cheers to, to Imperium. Like that was a strong flash form. That was almost five hundred people. Like it was a strong flash form.
0: Oh, we didn't know and, that.
3: Five hundred dreads or five hundred people. Five hundred total. And then I think it was like 750 from our side. Oof! So I mean, it was a big flash form. It was very, very uh, quick. Oh, that's
0: much bigger than we thought. Uh, so Dred's made easy work of him, right? Like he was gone quick.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had a he had like maybe two or three minutes if that.
0: So he was unsaved. Was anybody else uh, destroyed? Was there any other casualties?
3: I, I think the initial uh, Legacy Eagle fleet went in. And, uh, a couple of them got hazed, um, by the Serbs and, and the others. Um, but then, you know, a couple of minutes later, then we were able to, to bring in more people.
0: Yeah. All right. So Billy says they weren't, uh, flash forming. They were already in system. There was 300 of them shooting a Rataru.
3: Oh, 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 oh. Okay.
0: Yeah. Which makes sense. All right. Cool. Well, it was a good little bit of action while we were on air and, uh, uh, we also are now at the same, are going at the same time as the Alliance tournament. We want to send you over there. Uh, if you're watching this live, if you've, if you're listening to this recorded, you already know what, uh, who won the Alliance tournament. Uh, Ron, thanks for coming by and, uh, giving us a picture and that grade was fantastic. Thank you. Sure, man. Oh, um, uh, before we go, Ron, uh, do you have
3: anything that you wanted to talk about? Any, um, Hello. Well, since the last, well, the last since the last time we talked about Northern Esoteria, uh-huh. um, we had that really big um, fight that night over the Fortizar. and so we killed their Fortazar oh, that night, right. and it was you know three a.m. to like five a.m. Uh, you know, reminiscent of the Winter War, and then our Keep Star anchored uncontested, and at the same time, um, Bastion anchored another Fortizar in the same system, and uh, we killed that one right after. So, really? yeah, and, you know, it's uh, it's all been uh, fun, you know, it's all been great, been getting good fights, and, you know, since Enid has uh, redeployed over there, we've been paying uh, special attention to him, and it's... Uh, a lot of fun. And then even today, uh, Carmen FC'd a fleet on the uh, uh, OTAC-O iHub, which is in northern Esso, and there were some dreads dropped and some dreads died, and that was good fun too. I only caught the very end of that, but um, Mm -hmm. all just good work.
0: Well, that is progress on your part. This is test defending Esoteria. If you took down the, that was their initial base, right? The
3: Bastion's Mm -hmm. initial. Yeah. And I think we'd missed it twice before. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, so now you have taken it out. Uh, You put down a Keepstar. I didn't know that. And has that online or is that just, is that just anchored?
3: Yeah, that was the big one that just happened. Um, We just put it in YZ. Um, No, no. I'm thinking of the other one.
0: T five Z. Yep,
3: yeah, we just put oh. down T five Z. So the and Keepstar that, that one anchored uncontested. Yeah, right next I to one DQ. Okay,
0: yeah. I'm I'm following. I thought you actually put a keep star <laughs> in Ethotaria, and I thought, well, that's no, interesting. No, no, I haven't no. heard of that.
3: Okay. Oh no, we have uh, keep stars all throughout that area up there. That creates uh, like a, a super capital highway all the way up for us, and those haven't been touched.
0: Gotcha. All right. So you guys having some success in Esoteria. And uh, and then, of course, everything really is focused on this Keep Star here. I think it's very interesting that uh, Gobbins came out and said that um, Fountain was on the menu. I think Billy's always maintained that at some point uh, Fountain would be back on the menu. But uh, with Initiative now uh, deployed to Esoteria, it's going to make them have to choose. Are they going to be in Esoteria? Are they going to defend Fountain?
3: Exactly. Exactly
0: yeah interesting stuff. this war is has totally delivered. I know people said like there's no war going on at the beginning of it, and I thought, well, yeah, not on paper, but there's definitely a lot of like stuff that's happening and what was going on in that lull before you know the uh, keep stars started dropping last month from July to last month was really the construction of a railroad system uh, that allows you to move all these assets in safety, and that is those keep stars, those chains of keep stars were were being built uh, during the quiet times in the war. If you want to put it that way,
3: so, yeah. And the, the quiet times are mainly the timers. There's so many structures, right? Like that, those just don't happen overnight. They take days and days and days, right? So it's from the outside, it looks like, oh, hey, yeah, this is boring. There's nothing going on. But you know, inside, it's like, hey, we're hitting 15 timers a day. We're hitting 25 timers a day.
0: Jeez. Right? Yeah, it's a good thing. There's a lot of you. All right, thanks, Ron and uh Thank you. thanks thanks hateless and elise and uh, of course mcleod showed you all those great photos got you some live footage always yeah, on the I, I
1: stole that screenshot it is absolutely amazing
0: beautiful screenshot too by ron there uh that's all we have today i want to say thanks to all of the people that uh have shown up to watch live we're going to now send you over to the alliance tournament and we will see you next week on talking stations weekend report and if you want more of talking and stations we deliver in game now so sign up for the mail list tis news and you'll get uh, weekdays you'll get a morning paper with a summary of the news and if you want more than that you're always welcome to watch our uh, youtube channel we post a daily show uh, for eve news uh, every monday through friday we take saturday off we need a rest but thank you guys for hanging around and we will see you next time on Talking In Stations.